Well, equities were rallying as US PPI numbers came in lower than expected, reinforcing the idea that maybe the worst of inflation is over. But those gains have diminished late in the US session with reports that two Russian missiles crossed the Ukrainian border and landed in Poland, which is, of course, a member of NATO. So is this an escalation point for the war? Well, markets are responding to that risk this morning. Locally, Australia's wage price index is out today. It seems rather insignificant given that news, doesn't it? But it's going to tell us how right the RBA is to assume that inflation can be dealt with steadily. It's Wednesday, the 16th of November, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, there was a veritable bonanza in the equity markets in the US, but a lot of that has been retraced after that news over Poland. The Nasdaq was really bouncing back. It was up 2.4% this morning. It fell back to 0.6%, but actually still closed up 1.5%. The S&P 500 was up 1.4%, then down to a third of 1%, then back up to 0.9% at close. The Dow from a 0.6% gain to half percent fall, then back up to a 0.2% gain at close. So big swings in both directions. At close in Europe, before all of this happened, the Eurostoxx 50 was up 0.7%. The DAX closed up half percent. The FTSE 100, though, down by 0.2%. The Hang Seng yesterday, worth noting, was up over 4%. Uh, all of that, of course, before the news from uh, Eastern Europe. But that shows that there's something going on, some confidence coming from China. And bond yields uh, that were drifting down have fallen further now, down nine basis points for 10-year treasuries, down seven for 10-year gilts, down four for German bonds and 12 in Italy. Uh, Aussie 10 years didn't move much yesterday, stuck around 3.75%, a few basis points lower on futures overnight. And the US dollar is down 0.2% on the DXY. It was in positive territory for a while as the Poland news broke, but it's back down again. The Aussie is up over 1%, around 67.7 US cents. The pound also up 1%, the euro up 0.3%. And oil, well, there wasn't much going on until Poland... And then big rises since, uh, like a 1.9% rise in WTI. That's paired back to 1% now and 0.6% up for Brent. Brent now uh, edging back up to $94. So those prices are moving quickly. And, you know, this is a podcast, not a radio show. So check for updates as this story unfolds. There's still a lot of uncertainty about what exactly has happened. Uh, It seems, uh, Sally Old, by the way, is with us this morning from JB Weir in Sydney. It seems two missiles have struck a village uh, over the Polish border. The question is, of course, what happens next? We know the Polish National Security Committee has convened uh, and uh, they're having a crisis meeting. And it certainly has for a while anyway. It it changed the mood of markets. The positive sentiment we were seeing this morning has uh, has turned fairly quickly. Yeah, that's right. So these headlines have have just sort of come in towards the end of the US session and we're starting to see, um, you know, bond yields, resuming their rally. So, um, you know, particularly in the 10-year part of the curve and also equity is starting to give up, um, you know, what were some pretty decent gains for for the session. So I guess this is, um, you know, we've been pretty familiar with the contours of the conflict in Ukraine over over recent months, but this is clearly a new development, um, you know, Mm. which has prompted some headlines that, that clearly... Um, are, are not not great for the the risk on tone that we saw for most of last night's session. Yeah, well, most of that risk on tone was the US PPI, wasn't it? That had a lot to do with it. Although you know that it was risk on before that, but producer prices we saw in those in those numbers and not rising as much as expected. In fact, core PPI uh, month on month was pretty flat, wasn't it? So as you said, the PPI came in lower than expected and and really adds to that narrative um, that the inflation story looks like it's peaked. 
um, because the annual rate for PPI is now at 8% and that was closer to 12% a couple of months ago and, and core PPI um, pretty close to zero. So on the inflation story, we had some some more good news. And then on the growth side, we had the New York, New York Manufacturing Survey where that actually increased um, in the month of November. So people sort of taking it as, you know, good, good growth data uh, and good inflation data and therefore the uh, the soft landing is is very much the central case and scenario. They said that's it a could good one. never be done. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Good one for equities. Yeah. Well, let's hope it sticks that way. I mean, given this morning's turn of events, but even before that, you know, the uh, the New York State Fed Manufacturing Index. I mean, it was it was good, but you know, the firms are saying they're expecting business conditions are going to get worse. So, I mean, looking forward, it's not all a, a shining bright light, is it? Yeah, that's right. And and in fact, if you delve into the details, you know, it was it was it was a mixed um, mixed release. But new orders were down, um, you know, a reasonable amount on the month as well. And, and so that sort of keys in with this idea that, you know, when we look ahead, maybe the outlook's not as as bright as, as we'd like it to be. And it's hard to sort of, I guess, make the case given the tightening of financial conditions that's been imparted on the US economy over the last couple of quarters that, you know, all of a sudden things are, are looking rosy in the manufacturing sector. So, um, you know, we, we know the direction of travel of most economic variables in the US at the moment. It's not always a straight line. Um, and so I guess markets are saying, you know, we'll, we'll take the good news while it lasts yeah. on that one. Yeah, well, the good news isn't lasting that long this morning, is it? But I mean, <laughs> the other thing that's interesting is uh, US equities have been helped by what have been really, you know, quite good earnings results, although maybe look, looking forward, not quite so good. Uh, but Walmart came in with a very strong result. And I'm not sure if that was good news or bad news, because uh, they are saying a big part of their success is the fact that they're getting more people shopping at Walmart, people who would be shopping elsewhere. So people are, are, are down spending and going to Walmart. So, I mean, you know, successful Walmart could actually be a sign that the US economy is shrinking and people are struggling more. Yeah, that's right. It's interesting at the moment because, um, you know, when, when we look at US equity markets at JB Weir, you know, one of the things that... Um, you know, we spend a fair bit of time looking at is what's embedded into the earnings profile for next year and 2024. Um, and one of the reasons we've been a bit cautious on equities um, in in recent quarters has just been this idea that, you know, we know that economic growth is going to slow, um, you know, by a decent amount in the US over over the course of, of the next year. And we've just felt that the earnings outlook um, or the numbers that Wall Street analysts have penciled in doesn't really sort of sync with where we think the real economy is going to land. And so, you know, we have been sort of waiting for, um, I guess, that process where analysts start to take out the red pen and mark down those earnings estimates. Um, but it's maybe taking a little bit longer than than we expected. And you know, I guess that process is um, not helped by, you know, the, the results that you speak to where, you know, there are a number of companies, particularly outside of tech, where the earnings numbers are actually looking okay, at least for the time being. So, um, again, it's one of those things where you can you can choose to look at the negatives of that story, which is that everyone's having to trade down given um, a difficult economic background, or, you know, you can take the, the good news, which is that you've got a, a big U.S. corporate that's delivering um, some pretty solid earnings. Yeah, well, I think it's Rodrigo who keeps on saying something there for everybody. Uh, That's how you want to read it. Look, uh, China, it's interesting that there's a bit of confidence around, uh, you know, going well from China generally, even though, you know, the numbers weren't great. Retail sales fell back in October. Industrial production slowed more than expected. But Chinese shares, Hong Kong shares back on the rise again. I wonder whether that is because President Xi has... uh, Come out of, uh, you know, out and is meeting people. He's doing the rounds at G20. He met with Biden. He met with Anthony Albanese. Uh, 
who wanted him to drop sanctions on Aussie exports. I mean, that's not happening yet, but, uh, you know, maybe some of the bad blood will start to be rectified and some of these things will start to ease. Maybe markets are taking a bit of confidence for, you know, from, from that sort of thing happening. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the data were, were weak right across the board. So, you know, we got all the activity numbers for October, industrial production, retail sales, they were particularly soft. Fixed asset investment came in a little bit weaker than expected. And I think that the context here is important. I mean, these numbers have come in on the back of um, already soft numbers for exports in the month of October, softer numbers for credit growth, and also, you know, some quite weak inflation numbers as well. So it's telling you that the broad macro backdrop in China um, doesn't look very encouraging at all. And in fact, I think, um, you know, last night's numbers, you know, have, have started to force some more downward revisions for the GDP outlook for 2022 and 2023 from a number of um, economists. But it's clear that, you know, the economy is slowing in the face of obviously, um, you know, the the Omicron wave over there, the big headwind that the deleveraging of the housing sector is is placing on the economy and a much weaker external environment. So, you know, that, that gives us, I think, a fair bit of context to some of the policy announcements we've seen over the last week, which, you know, maybe have a, a slight change of emphasis around zero COVID policy. And then obviously some support for, for housing, particularly around funding or financing for developers, sort of suggests that Chinese authorities are getting, you know, a bit more pragmatic in terms of their, their policy um, outlook rather than sort of sticking to a really strong ideological sort of way of, of thinking about the economy, which I guess is a good thing um, over over time. And you combine that with, um, I guess, as you said, you know, the fact that both the US and Australia have had meetings um, with with President Xi at the G20. And yeah, I think it's, you know, it's not impossible to sort of construct a, a narrative that perhaps the worst is behind us in terms of the China story. And, and I suspect that's what markets are, are starting yeah. to price in. Might not go forward quickly, but at least it's not going backwards. At least it's a positive step. Yeah, that's yeah. right. There'll be ups and downs. And, you know, my sense would be that you know, the market is broadly expecting that in their spring of 2023, um, our autumn here in Australia, that that's when we'll get the reopening of of the Chinese economy and and the real sort of pullback of zero COVID policies. And that's not going to be a straight line process either. I imagine that's going to be pretty bumpy um, as they navigate through that. But, you know, I think the the market's increasingly comfortable that 2022 is going to be the, the low point for GDP growth in China. And and while we might not be firing on all cylinders in 2023, you know, it's all about the rate of change. Um, and, and maybe that's given markets some confidence that things are looking better. Yeah. So what about Japan? Very briefly, we saw their Q3 uh, mm. GDP growth down 0.3% quarter on quarter, down 1.2% annualised. The expectation was it was going to actually rise by 1% or so. So uh, this was a big surprise, wasn't it? And, you know, no doubt the Bank of Japan is looking at this and saying, this is precisely why we are not lifting rates right now, because the economy is slowing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and no, it was interesting. Um, as you said, a big miss relative to the consensus. And I think, um, yeah, that was the third quarter out of the last eight yeah. in which the economy has contracted. So as you're saying, like that's hardly the sort of environment that gives you confidence as a central banker that now's the time to be pulling back on dovish policy and, um, and, and joining other central banking peers around the world in, in tightening financial conditions. I think the whole story here was really just the, the net exports 
um, really detracted from GDP growth. So yeah. what we saw there was very strong growth in imports and in large part that's all been driven by you know, the significantly weaker yen that we've seen over over the last couple of quarters. Yeah, which of course is pushing up the cost of imports, which means uh, it's pushing up the cost of living for everybody there as well, which isn't helping uh, with the uh, the speed of growth in the economy, is it? Uh, so it, it, and it's interesting, they are still also coping with COVID, uh, not to the extent of China, but 100 thousand infections on tuesday according to reuters this morning uh so that is the first time it's been that high for for two months and interesting we get uh we, we had the uk uh, unemployment numbers yesterday that fell a little to 3.6 percent the economic inactivity rate increased a little as well uh, and there is uh, according to the office of national statistics in the uk a record high for those who are long-term sick so we uh, we were saying this earlier in the week covid is still with us around the world and some of the tightness in the, the labour market that we're seeing is because COVID is still around and we are starting to see it kick off in, uh, in, in a few places as well. Let's look closer to home. Uh, Australia's wage price index today. Uh, is it going to pick up? Is it going to pick up enough to actually cause inflation to push higher? It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, so this is this is these are the the pretty eagerly awaited numbers because you know this has been a big part of you know why the RBA I guess has set itself a little bit um, aside from what other central banks are doing and in in the sense that they've said look you know we're we're facing slightly different conditions in the labour market yes we've got tight labour market low unemployment rate like everyone else but that hasn't manifested in you know wage numbers that are that are running five six percent like they are in the UK or or the US. Um, and so today's number will be interesting. The market's looking for a rise in the quarter of uh, 0.9 of a percent, and that'll take the annual rate to three. So, you know, annual rate at three, um, you know, annualizing sort of closer to three and a half or a little bit above. I mean, those are, are still run rates that are broadly consistent with the inflation target. So it's hard to sort of argue that, you know, today's number is is going to sort of shock the RBA onto onto a different path for rates. Um, but I guess we're all aware of this fact that, you know, our wage setting process is quite different to other countries. And, and part of the, um, the difference is that you have a sort of institutionalized lag in, in the wages numbers here. So, you know, most forecasters see that number gradually ticking higher into the mid threes, high threes over the course of, of the next year. So it's hard to see today's numbers, um, you know, being too much of a shock, but I think they'll be eagerly anticipated, not least because they're really important to the inflation outlook, but because we only get them once every three months here in Australia. So, yeah, um, yeah we'll wait and, and see. Um, we will. And that, that acknowledgement that, you know, the approach by the RBA is very different to, to other central banks, that was there, wasn't it, in the RBA minutes yesterday. And, it, you know, it looks like, you know, 25 basis points. Uh, is the way to go from now on. You know, 50 was discussed, but, you know, uh, cast aside pretty quickly. It looks like 20, you know, maybe 25, 25, 25 for the next few meetings. Yeah, I think so. I think the one thing that we've learned, um, you know, in the last month around the RBA is that, you know, even though they tell us that, you know, look, we're willing to go, you know, to get, to get back and deliver 50s if the, if the circumstances warrant it. I think the hurdle for them to do that is is pretty high, and and so as you said, you know the the choice when they sat down in early November was between a twenty five and a fifty, but you know it's it's sort of the usual story around. They've done a lot in a short space of time. They can see housing indicators coming off. They can see easing in supply chain uh, pressures. They know there are you know quite long lags involved with monetary policy. And then the new thing that was sort of thrown in there was that, you know, they, they, they did put some significance and some importance on the idea of being seen consistent in, in the delivery of policy. So having downshifted to, 
25 in October, you know, it might seem a little bit inconsistent, a little bit confusing maybe um, to jump back to, to doing a 50. So that was in there, as was this idea that, you know, it's potentially possible that in the next couple of months they might get to a point where they want to pause and and look at, you know, the, the impact of policy um, or they could keep going. And I think, you know, what they're really trying to emphasise is just this sense that it's it's all about data dependency. So where we go from here is going to be driven on the global backdrop and, you know, the, the domestic sort of pulse on the real economy, but also on inflation as well. And quickly, today we get CPI for Canada. So, uh, you know, here's a bank that's not been taking it slowly and yet nowhere, I mean, obviously not a sign of CPI slowing, but nowhere near as high as the peaks that have been reached in the U- Europe or the UK. But it'll be interesting to see those numbers. Indeed, today. yeah. So the, the, the consensus is sort of saying, you know, again, similar to the US annual rate will probably be unchanged in the high sixes. So again, adding to this idea that, you know, maybe we're starting to peak out on on some of these measures. But, you know, the the core measures are expected to come in on average in the in the low fives, which is still well above the the Bank of Canada's target. So I'm not sure that there'll be um anything there to to materially change the outlook for rates in Canada. But it will be interesting to see whether, you know, we are starting to to be in a, a bit of a patch in markets where the numbers are coming in less than expected. Um, and you know, we saw that last week in the US and the sort of market response that drove. So I guess that's uh, that's probably the, the bias that markets will have going into these UK and, and Canadian numbers tonight. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we get the US retail sales as well today. Industrial production, the NAHB housing market index, if they all are weak and we get them continue being weak, will the Fed start to lose their bravado? Will they start to uh, you know ease off on those, those promised rate increases? Uh, I think that was a point that Rodrigo was making earlier on in the week but we'll see we'll wait and see uh, bigger question is what the hell's going to happen uh, over ukraine and poland right now uh, we'll find out as the day progresses no doubt we'll leave it there for now though good to have you on this morning sally thank you a pleasure phil bye-bye a war in europe i mean it was there was always going to be even if it is by accident there was always this danger of escalation wasn't it we'll see how it all uh, transpires that's it for today though i'm phil dobby for nab back again tomorrow morning i'll see you then thanks for listening